0: So, community is something all of us long for. Uh, every human, every place of all time, uh, and as we, or as as our culture today in America is looked at, it's often found that community is a missing part of our lives. So for example, a study has shown that the lonelier you are, the more it affects your physical health. Um, One study found that loneliness is comparable to smoking 15 packs of cigarettes a day for a lifetime. That's what loneliness does to your physical body, according to that study. Great Britain has identified it as a problem, so much so that they have created a new office called the Secretary of Loneliness. And that person's job is to come up with solutions to the loneliness problem. And in case you think that's a problem across the pond in Great Britain, um, a U.S. study of 20,000 Americans said that basically half of Americans, 47%, feel left out, sometimes or always feel unnoticed or alone, and 43% of relationships they say are not meaningful they say that they don't have any meaningful relationships. And, and I think that's interesting because people often, they over-report on the good things in their lives and they under-report on the bad things uh, with those studies. So basically half of the people in your life or half of the people in our life on, on average are saying, I'm alone. There's, there's not the relationships in my life that I would like. And what's, Even more ironic with all of this happening today is that through technology, our world is more connected, more connected than it's ever been. But this connection, this type of connection, is not the type of connection that we need. A neuroscientist from the University of Chicago has remarked about social networking. Those sites may provide people with a false sense of connection that ultimately increases their loneliness And these sites should serve as a supplement, he says, but not a replacement for face-to-face interaction. So he's saying, uh, I'm not against technology, but it's not good as a replacement for face-to-face relationships. So in light of all this, the church, the bride of Jesus, we should stand in stark contrast to the loneliness of the world around us. And as we do this, we're actually in a really incredible position to extend the kind of life, the life in community that everybody is longing for. Today, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, the end of Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. And before we read our passage, I just want to remind us what happened at the beginning of Acts, in Acts 1 and 2. Jesus gave his parting shot, his his last words to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, and they were, Wait until you've received power from on high wait and pray in Jerusalem. And so Jesus said these words and he ascended into heaven. He, he physically left his friends. There were about 120 disciples who were gathered together waiting and praying and there weren't any other instructions. And then the spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost and Peter preached a sermon that God used to save about 3,000 people. Not everybody who heard that sermon was saved, but it was an incredible act of God. And they were baptized as an expression of their trust in Jesus. And that is the, the, the story that leads up to our passage today. So I'll start reading Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. And they, meaning the 3,000, all, all the believers, the 3,120, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe or fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Many times when I've I've read this passage, like in a small group, or I've heard other people refer to this passage, uh, often I've I've heard people lament, "I just wish the church would, you know, act like it did in early on." I, I, you know, why what what's happened? Why are we so far from that? And, and you know, I, I see that because isn't this a compelling picture of community? I mean, wouldn't you want to be there? Um, and and all I want to say today is, I believe that we could, we can be there. You can experience this kind of community. We can, as as a church. And I'm not saying that everything they experienced, we will for sure experience the same things. But the kind of life that they had is still available to us today. Because what makes it special is the life of Christ in them. That, that's what made that community special. That's what makes any church community special and thriving and healthy. So, so we can have that life. But here's the caveat. You have to be willing to pay the price for it. This, this type of community, it doesn't go on sale. You can't say, oh, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait for Black Friday, and get that at half price. It never happens. You have to be willing to pay the price, but it's worth all that it takes to live in this type of community. So so what is that price? Let's let's break down the passage a little bit and see what it takes. We see at the, the very beginning of this passage, it says, they devoted themselves. And and I believe this passage is descriptive more than it's prescriptive. Meaning, this passage isn't saying, hey, here's what you all should do. It's it's just communicating the truth of, here's what happened. It's describing what happened. But sometimes, the Bible does this thing where it overlaps, and it's it's descriptive. But later on, you see, oh, there's a prescription that, we have to do just like they did, like there, there's some overlap here. So this one is descriptive, but Romans 12, where it says in verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, that's prescriptive, meaning the doctor's orders are be devoted to one another. <laughs> Go and do it. Prescriptive. And so I'm not trying to say read Acts 2 and, and, and do exactly as they did, but I, I am saying According to the whole counsel of God's word, this is something that we are called to do, to be devoted in in our lives. And so I do wanna see what were they devoted to? Are they devoted to things that we should also be devoted to? Well, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles, that that word just means sent ones. And so these are the sent ones from Christ, teaching about Christ. And the apostles' teaching is really uh, what we would call the New Testament. So, yeah, we, we should be devoted to that. Uh, the fellowship. Fellowship is a word that means we share this in common. Uh, they lived in open and honest relationships. That, that They were sharing their lives and sharing Christ in common. Elsewhere in scripture, it says, yeah, we should be devoted to that. Breaking of bread. At the very least, I don't know exactly what this means, to be honest. But in the context, at the very least, it means sharing food. Because later we read, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. At most, this could mean communion, you know, taking of the Lord's Supper, what, what we use a cracker and a, a cup of juice to remember Christ and his sacrifice. And then they were devoted to praying, talking to God about what they were doing together. And again, like scripture is pretty clear, we should pray. <laughs> I mean, even, even unchurched people, like I said in announcements, they're very open to you praying for them. So at the core of all of this, these four things that they were devoted to, at the core, they were devoted to God and they were devoted to each other. They did what God was calling them to do. And God is calling every local church to do these two things, be devoted to him, be devoted to each other. And I kind of tried to simplify it on this screen, like the apostles teaching, you know, that apostles were teaching about Christ, about God. So be devoted to God, fellowship to each other. But the problem with this breakdown is, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Once you smack those two things together and you take it apart to see, okay, well, which is which, it's all intermixed. Fellowship isn't just me and Jake hanging out. It's it's sharing our life in Christ in common too. So we can't, it, it doesn't come apart easily. It's it's mixed together and that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. So at the core Their devotion was to God and to each other. And out of that came some results. Out of that came some effects. So here's the first effect of their devotion. Worship, or interactive worship really. When they they drew near to God, um, they felt something. (laughs) And, And everyone around them actually felt something too which is best described as terror, as fear. This, this sense of who God is makes us, you know, very uncomfortable. The word here is actually phobos, which we get the word phobia from. So again, it, it's fear um, because God is so great and he is holy. He's not like us. And so many signs and wonders, the text says, were, were being done through the apostles. God is not just off there in the distance, a judge that we should fear, but he is present and powerful among us. So these signs were being done to show them that God is moving. And these signs were pointing to what God wants us to pay attention to. Signs, signs don't stand just alone by themselves, but they point to something. These signs point to Jesus. So the first effect of their devotion is, is worship. It's interactive worship. God is present. God is powerful. God is moving. And, and they are also responding to God in fear and in worship. The second effect of their devotion is we see them in community, like they're growing in community. Their, their, their worship of God affected their relationships with each other. Verse 44 said, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to to all as any had need. And so everybody is participating. It's not just the small group leaders. It's not just the church staff. It's not just those people who know their Bibles. It's everybody who's playing a role. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. And again, this is just a result. This just happens because they were devoted to God and to each other. And so if you find yourself thinking, well, I'll really start participating uh, in the life of God's people once my life calms down, once work dies down, um, once I know the Bible better, I'm afraid I'm I'm gonna look foolish. Uh, I just wanna encourage you, don't fall into that trap. Or if there's people around you that, You see them just kind of edging up to community. Uh, What fears might be preventing them from throwing in, like going all in? Uh, I've been there before. There's all these these fears that we have, but uh, nobody would be participating. Nobody would be participating in ministry if it required a perfect life. And so the expectation is that all of us have a role to play. And that's how community grows. And when when we participate, despite our brokenness, despite our shortcomings, others can start to see the progress that Christ is making in our life. And progress is not just marked by what you do, but by how you do what you do. Why do you do what you do? And many here, as I reflected on this passage, I'm just thinking, man, many here have pressed into community and you found that it's difficult. It ain't cheap. You got to keep paying the price. It's not easy. And so if, if you haven't yet found this truth, uh, I want to appeal to your artistic side and, and share a poem with you that, that sh- shows this. To, to live above with saints we love, oh, that'll be the glory but to live below with saints we know, oh, that's a different story. It's so true. It's so true. And, and maybe someone is holding back because, man, I, I've been in community before and I've been hurt. And, and that's kept me from engaging again. I'm scared I'll be hurt again. It's worth it though. And I just want to encourage you today, ask Jesus to help you take that next step. Ask, tell Jesus you want to experience him in his people. So that's that's the effect number two, that they were in community as a result of their devotion. Let's go back to the text, verse, verse 46. This gives us another picture of what devotion looks like. It says day by day. That, that's, a, that's a picture of devotion. And personally, I don't think that 3,120 people gathered together all 3,120 people every single day? I don't think so, because I think they worked. <laughs> I think they slept. I think they took care of their kids. Um, I, what, what Luke is saying is this was their regular practice. Day by day, here was their regular practice. They worshiped God together by attending Jewish temple. These were all Jews, remember, who were saved at Pentecost. So they continued worshiping together, and they shared life together outside of their corporate gatherings. They broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They praised God. This is another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Do you see it? They worshiped God together. They shared life together. You can't separate worship of God and relationship to people. The Bible just doesn't let you do that. And look at the effect that their devotion to God and to each other had. This is the third effect we see. The Lord added to their number day by day. Those who were being saved. More people were being brought into this community. The lost were being reached. They were coming to know Jesus as their treasure, as their Savior, as their Lord. And so here we see what this book that our small groups have been talking about, Mission and Community, It's not one or the other. It's both and. It's both and. Healthy communities produce missional people, and they go out on mission. So if you stay devoted to God and others, you will be increasingly reaching others. And so let's consider some application. The big application here is live devoted. To God, live devoted to each other as a church. And I think for every single person in this room, the application is slightly unique because we all need to take the next step. and the next step could look a lot of different ways. So I'm, I'm going to just give you some possible next steps to consider. Perhaps you're here, and you've been checking out uh, the claims of Christ, but you've never devoted your life to following Jesus. What's holding you back? Tackle that with one, two other people. Tackle that in community. That could be the next step. Like deciding to live devoted to God and to his people. Maybe you've been coming around here, but you're not really committed to one church home. And I I said this a couple weeks ago and I'm not trying to pick any fights or single anybody out, but the Bible says that the church is like a body. OK, this is Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. So one implication of this is if you're a kneecap, or if you're a hand, and you're lending out, you know, your kneecap services or your hand ministry here and there, what's going to happen when the body says, "I need to reach and grab." And then, oh, there's no hand." Like, "No grab. It's because, it, you know, you're just kind of chopping it off and taking it somewhere else. And if you need one of your ankles and it's gone, it's like, okay, I need to step. Oh, no, no, I can't. I can't put weight on that because we're all meant to work together. And so, you know, if, if you haven't committed to a church home, uh, I, you won't offend me if it's not orchard. I mean, we'd love to have you here, but I want you to be wherever God's leading you to plug in. Um, if this is your church home and you, you haven't made small group a priority, I just encourage you to move towards that. Um, small group's not easy it's costly, but being devoted to God and to each other is the cost that it takes to live in this kind of community, to experience it firsthand and and I believe it's available some Some might be in small group already, but you're just kind of putting in your your time card, kind of punching the time card i was I was there, you know. I was called on, I answered. Uh, (laughs) I'd encourage you to do more than punch your time card uh, to open up and share. Ask your questions. Even if your group leader doesn't know the answer, it's good to get your questions out in the open. Pursue people outside of your small group. Uh, Don't quit pestering God until you see him move in the relationships in your life. Uh, Reach out and find a way to serve. Um, we got all sorts of opportunities here to serve, and we don't have great structure, so it's just just going to take initiative right now in the life of our church to say, "Hey, I want to serve somewhere," and be ready to make coffee or vacuum floors or, or you know, who knows, uh, <laughs> all that or yeah, run the sound in the back. Um, but th- this could be this could be you. You might be following Jesus a committed member of our church who's serving, you're in small group, you're being faithful, and and your capacity's full. Just keep going. Just keep taking the next step. And if you need to scale it back, again, scale it back. Tell me. Don't burn yourself out. But trust that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This type of community, it just doesn't go on sale. It calls for a radical devotion. And I'm really proud of this church and who we are and the growth that we've had in the last two years. And I'm talking about internal growth, especially. Um, But I do want to say, just to be totally clear, I believe Orchard will be both this year, like this season and in the years to come, Orchard will be whatever we make it. And we includes Jesus. Jesus is not holding back on his church at all. We're typically the one who are pumping the, pumping the brakes. Like, oh man, a little too fast for me. I can't keep up with you, Jesus. Um, but he, he's out in front. He's leading us. And I, again, I want to reiterate, I believe we're off to a good start. I don't want you to feel any guilt to serve, any guilt to come to small group. But I do want you to know, to live in Acts 2 type of community requires Acts 2 devotion. And that's something that God has called us to. And so here, I want to share some ways that I see an Acts 2 community among you all. So here we go. I, I see us sharing meals together. And not just Sunday after church, but throughout the week, I know people are getting together sharing meals. Families, groups, etc. I both see and hear of people encouraging each other to follow Jesus and encouraging each other to share Christ with their coworkers and the lost people around them. I see us bringing meals to the sick, to each other when we're in transition and need. I see us watching for and praying for each other's kids, loving each other's kids, building relationships for the sake of the gospel in the lives of these kids and the families. I see us praying for each other, texting each other throughout the week. We're using technology for good. And as a supplement to our face-to-face time, I see people sharing their possessions, giving money, towards things. When people are in need, I know a handful of times anonymous cash gifts have been dispersed. And uh, I see, you know, we're taking care of each other by fixing each other's cars. I, I know that's happened. bearing each other's burdens. Um, man, I see single guys working behind the scenes to make the basement a blessing for families. That's Acts 2 community. They're putting in time, sweat, and uh, man, incredible skill to, to make space a blessing for people. And, and I don't want to share any of this to say, to, you know, we're so great. But really, this, Jesus is so great among us. He's the one moving people to serve, to, to lay down their lives and to bless other people. And so, again, I want to say I'm incredibly proud of this church. And I do believe that we are faithfully following Jesus, although we're not perfect and we never will be i believe we're faithful and so if you're if if you're sitting there and you're like man i i don't really have any stories like that um i i don't know uh i'm not that involved i just want to say you you can be you can be it starts and it ends with devotion to god and to god's people orchard will be whatever we make it And we're off to a good start, but I also want to communicate, I believe the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Not because of us, but as we faithfully follow Jesus, he's not going to withhold any good thing from us. And this passage, going back to that last point about mission, this passage shows that church health, community health, and growth in terms of numbers, they often go together. I think healthy things grow because healthy things can grow at a sustainable pace. So I, I believe that's happening and uh, we need to be ready uh, and, and make every opportunity to, to serve that growth um, as best as we can. So for that reason, uh, we're gonna remodel this space upstairs and uh, this is something I've been praying about for almost a year and the rest of the elders, the, the, el- the elder team, they're all on board with this Uh, and really, honestly, this is a small remodel in terms of remodel, but I just got to say it's plenty big for me. Uh, this is not my thing. I'm not a project manager. I'm a pastor. And, uh, that's good because this is what God's calling me to. Um, but here's the plan. Uh, there's more than just chairs in the plan, but (laughs) those types of chairs are going in to replace these pews, um, That'll give us a lot more flexibility in this room. We're gonna get new flooring, uh, paint, and blinds in here, and we're gonna move the sound booth and that wall that's attached to the sound booth, we're uh, we're gonna do away with that wall. So that's kind of the big overarching vision. There will be a movable wall there um, on wheels. Uh, yeah, honestly, two years ago we started with the mindset of, "Hey, let's make this space work for us," or let's make this space work." Or, let's make this. Sp-. And we've made the space work. Uh, but now, I want to make it work well for us, both now and moving into the future, and I believe that this will do that. So let me be clear on something. Uh, we do not, and we will not, measure success by a number of heads in a room or how good a room looks. Uh, We'll we'll continue to measure success by faithfulness to Jesus. Uh, Just because a church is big doesn't mean it's faithful, doesn't mean it's healthy. Just because a church is small doesn't mean it's healthy. So our passage today showed that they were faithful at 120. They did what Jesus asked them to do when there was 120 of them. And they did what Jesus asked them to do when there were 3,120 of them and counting. So yes, personally, I am excited about it. And if you're not excited about it, that's okay to feel that way, honestly. Um, And I don't really get excited about building stuff, but I'm excited because I'm convinced this is faithfulness. But I also, I want to say this, that excitement of newness, that excitement of pretty space or whatever, it'll wear off. Because that's not our purpose as a community seeing our purpose of knowing and loving God and making God's love known to others, that's so much bigger, that's so much better. And so the things that I want us to channel this excitement toward and me personally to channel this excitement toward is seeing new people come to place their faith in Christ, seeing them plug in to community, to small groups, seeing them get baptized, which reminds me, October 14th, we're going to have another baptism coming up. So if, if you're here and, and you've put your trust in Jesus, but you haven't yet taken that step of obedience to, to get baptized, come talk to me. We'll get you on the docket. You know, We'll get you dunked that day. Um, seeing people grow to do everything Jesus taught, becoming the type of people who want to do the things that Jesus did, who want to do the things that Jesus said. Seeing kids grow up walking closely with Jesus as they move towards adulthoods. Seeing addictions and addicts set free. Unleashing them to help others be free and live in the freedom of Christ. Seeing the kingdom of God advance in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Seeing lives change day by day as we walk with God together. That's the stuff that I want us to get really excited about. Not the building. Because the church church isn't the building. It never was. It never will be. The church is the people of God called out to life-changing relationship with him. And it's the people who do the work of God and who invite the presence of God here, not the building, not the space. So the church is a community centered around being with Jesus and becoming like him. That's what we're devoted to. That's what we need to be all in on. And so to summarize the, what I just said, the church is for discipleship and discipleship is for the world. We have nothing to offer the world apart from discipleship to Jesus. But the good news is that relationship, that communal relationship of discipleship to Jesus together, that's all the world needs. That's all the world needs. And so if, if you, this is, my la, this is my parting shot. If you hear this message and it's like, Okay, be devoted to God and to each other as something that you have to work yourself up into doing. Uh, That's not what I want you to take away. I want you to hear, be devoted to God and to each other because God has been so devoted to you that he saved you. He's rescued you from living life your own way. He's changed you and now he's inviting you into what he's doing both in your life and in the lives of other people. So, We don't just work up this devotion. This devotion is actually a result of us receiving God's love and being changed by him. So yes, we should be devoted and we should make every effort to live out our devotion, but it all starts with grace. It all starts with God's devotion to us. So let's pray. And as we pray, um, I'm going to give you some time to just talk to God about your community. And as you're talking to God about community, ask him to show you to who or to what you are truly devoted. And God, would you, would you speak to us? We know you speak clearly and kindly, whereas the devil wants to uh, create confusion and guilt and condemnation. Um, we're not condemned if we are in Christ Jesus. So would you encourage us and challenge us and correct our devotion and just our role in this community that you are building? This is yours. It's not Ben's. It's not our small group leaders. Um, this this is your community. Would you Would you speak to us about it as we continue to worship?